Go All for right. it. Worst Stanley cameo ever. Oh yeah. It was just you know how I said the other day that I the only thing that let me down about X Men First Class was the lack of a Stanley cameo. Yep. This felt like it was put in just, oh, shit, we better work a Stanley cameo in because everyone expects it. But you know what? Let's not put any effort into it at all. Yeah, he just... It was just fucking pointless. I know that guy. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Stan, if you listen to this, really, really sorry if yeah. we offended you with I hope that. this doesn't ruin our abilities to interview you in the future. <laughs> but, yeah, that was... It was crap. It was such a letdown when I realised that that was... <laughs> They pan back, and I'm like, oh, they're going to pan back around to him, and something awesome's going to happen. I was like, no, nah, that's it. That five seconds is yep. gone. So disappointed with that. What a waste of some epic talent. Exactly. Um, what else was I going to? What else was I going to hate on? Uh, I actually had a phone call last night from a friend of mine who had taken her son, who is I don't know how old he is. I think he must be twelve, thirteen ish. Yep, maybe. Had taken him to see it. And they'd had a huge argument in the car <laughs> about the whole thing. Wow. Uh, about Electro's pants. Oh, yeah. Because Electro... Get, are we are we up to spoiling stuff? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to sort of delve into... Sure. Spoilers on everybody. I think we've made our... If, if you don't want spoilers, we've made our if, stance clear. If you're still awake after 30-something minutes of this... Yeah. ...and you haven't seen the movie yet... You've got bigger then, problems. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but so Electro gets the suit at some point when he gets busted out of yep. prison because he's in... Uh, what's the um, facility called? Ravencroft, Ravencroft Institute. Institute. And Harry busts him out and says, let's fuck up the Spider-Man. Yep. And... And he... I'm just putting a long pause in there because... It'll give me a clear point to cut. Really? You yeah. just want to get me to I was not talk? I was going to pause and then I paused for longer and then I thought I'll just pause heaps. And pause. Yeah, pause. Anyway. So he gets the suit and he can obviously dematerialise into energy and then rematerialise other places. And the argument that these two were having, hi, Liesl and Luca. Hi, guys. Double uh, L's. Was, would he be able... What, how, do, how the hell does that work? How the hell do his pants rematerialise? He's got and, the magic Hulk shorts. Well, my argument was that if he's that much in control of electricity or, or energy, then he, he obviously has some sort of power to decompose matter into energy yep. and then recompose, which takes a huge amount of power. That's why we don't have Star Trek-style replicators in the world yeah. because the amount of energy required to convert – and it's the reason we don't have teleporters as well. The amount of energy required – But I want required, all of those. I know. I but know. would I die in a Me teleporter? Too. Would it be a copy? That's a whole other thing. Well, yeah. Carry on. Uh, but decomposing and recomposing matter and energy takes a lot of power unto itself. Yeah. It takes the power of a small star to, to That's build, many. build a teleporter. Many power. But I figure, you know, Electro has got access to that, which is how he can do it. But then I was thinking, well, I don't know. Like, how does he know which bits become the pants? And that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, because in the comics, there's like... There's two Electros. Well, th there's one Electro, but he's had two different versions over the years. I'm actually a thought leader on Electro now because I read everything about Electro last night after this conversation to try and find some sort of answer to present today. So yeah. please give me your spin on it and put my worried mind to rest. Well, uh, I can't, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I look tired, it's because I didn't sleep last night. That's right. I was uh, making a weird thought board with red <laughs> lines between it about between Electro's pants. 
Uh, and can I say, has anyone outside of a film ever made done that thing where the only way to solve a problem is to print out their thoughts and photos and put it into a, like a weird mood board? No. Especially when you just put stuff up there that says like, do I have to lose you and a picture of your girlfriend? Who has ever done that? Who Nobody. has ever decided that the way to process their feelings is to write it on an 8x10 thought card and stick it to the wall where your aunt sees well, it and gets freaked out? battery on his Sony Vio laptop's probably gone flat. So. That's true. Uh, so, <laughs> original Electro, because it was the 60s or whatever, yep. is a dude in a crazy costume who controls Flares. electricity. Yeah, exactly. An afro. Just discos constantly. <laughs> uh, that's where he gets his power from, is from the lights at the disco. That's right. He's got corduroy pants, <laughs> and every time he does the slide, the electric slide, uh, his thighs rub together, Generating creating static electricity. massive amounts of static electricity. Yeah, I'm just describing myself going to church at the age of 12. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was just a... F- <laughs> A flesh and blood guy in a like yellow and green costume who could control electricity but was not composed of electricity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <God. laughs> I'm losing Look, my shit over Everybody here. <laughs> worships God in their own way, is what I'm saying. And I did it with my electric thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't wear corduroy to this day. <laughs> Mum put me. <laughs> You're overexciting my vocal cords. I'm pitching my voice is going to go yeah. up in a minute. Mm. Anyway, yeah, look, anyway. I've recovered. <clears throat> so he's a dude who was like, uh, he was electric, but he was not, he was a flesh and blood human being. And then I don't know if it was in the normal comics first or if it was in the ultimate comics, but they decided to make him, as these things always do, more awesome. Yep. So he's become a being composed of electricity. Yeah. Uh, which sort of opens up his power set and makes him more awesome and he looks cooler and blah, 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 blah. But in that, he's just a being of electricity and you just don't draw a dick and it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> like, you don't have to have pants in the comics. He's like, uh, uh, what's his name from um, the superhero movie that's not a ser- Watchman? Um, Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. I got a straw. When he, when he recomposes himself, and starts from sort of his sort of circulatory system up. Yep. I got it. There's a very strong like Dr. Manhattan vibe coming out of yeah. that film. Because I had the same thing. I was like, yeah, he's, he's got shorts on. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. And he's still got the ports that they've put in him and that sort of thing. When yeah. he, I feel like you could have done – it's just a PG-13 thing, I imagine. Like there's no yeah. – you could have easily made no the No blue electric so that, cocks. Yeah. Because <laughs> he gets the shorts and then when he rocks up later, he's got like an awesome black – Supervillain full body suit on, which bugged the shit out of me because it's actually it's clearly been made for him. It's got little uh, lightning bolts and stuff on it, and yeah. It, at what point in conducting his master plan has Harry Osborn gone? Actually, you know what? Before I go and bust this guy out and wreak vengeance on Peter and Spider Man. Uh, I really need to just head down to the tailors. And I know that he's rich and he's probably got an in-house <laughs> suit guy or whatever. But is he rich? He's been ejected from his corporation where I assume everything he owns is. Well, he's been ejected from running it. That doesn't mean he hasn't got the, no, the money, true. isn't yeah. it? Oh, look, let's not get into business affairs. Yeah, clearly <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I didn't vote for Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> but at what point has he just gone, you know, actually before I rape vengeance, you know, what's just going to... What's really going to tip this guy over the edge other than his, you know, the fact that he's so filled with hate for Mm Spider-Man. But just to make sure that I really, really get him on side, I'm going to take him this kick-ass leather suit that I've just had (laughs) custom made for him. And how did he know what the body dimensions were to get this? The suit fits perfectly. Exactly. I don't know, man. It's sloppy. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think if only there was some kind of Stanley as a Taylor cameo <laughs> to, that to connect that together. Cool if we'd had a montage yeah. of him getting fitted for the leather suit and Stanley's going inside leg seam, fifty eight centimeter, yeah, yeah, that would have been ill. I think you have to assume either you know forget about it. It's a it's a comic book film, which is always aggravating, oh, or that yeah he has some kind of matter recombination mm. ability. Inherent in his sort of reconstituting himself. Well, he's pretty doesn't s- na- naturally map to the idea that he's just made of electricity, that he can form it into a roughly human shape. The other thing that I was thinking of is he's pretty smart in it as well. Like he's, he's a smart the, guy. He's the genius who invents all the stuff and then gets none of the credit for it. So yeah. you know, I was thinking, well, maybe he has some sort of fundamental understanding of this sort of stuff because he's got a physics degree or something. Mm. I'm just trying to rationalise this so that I yeah. can take something good away. <laughs> As I said before, like I liked Jamie Foxx and I liked Electro, but I think his arc was just... And it's a symptom of the movie being so compressed. Like They need to get through so much stuff mm. that if I think about it mechanically, everything worked really well. Like The decisions that they made and the character arcs are all sound, but... They had to skate through it so quickly yeah. that you could see all the moving parts. Like you were like, now this happens, now this happens, now this happens. They didn't have enough time to flesh it out into a believable arc. Yeah. And so with Electro, he goes from super bumbling caricature nerd person to like scheming evil catchphrase supervillain. And it just happens too quickly. It's sort of the Anakin Skywalker thing where he's like, oh, I don't know, man, maybe my girlfriend will die. I'm worried about that in a sort of existential way, killing all the babies. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Um, and, you know, yeah. they had three films to sort that shit out and they wasted the first one in him being yeah. a baby. And I think the when he is fight, when he first is Electro and he and Spider-Man have the confrontation in Times Square, which is sort of the pivot point of his arc, yep. where he goes from, like, confused... Uh, put upon guy to who's blue who's blue to being and then becomes like just scabbed over and angry about it <laughs> that's like the it's quite a visual <laughs> <laughs> like that's the sweet spot like the spider-man stuff there is amazing because spider-man's all like, mm-hmm. i like that he comes down and he tries to have a chat to him before rather just like yeah. doing superman punching yep um but that point where he's just this schlub guy who's never had anything go his way he loved Spider-Man because he's the only one who ever paid attention to him. That sours within him because mm. Spider-Man's getting all the attention and people see him as a villain, but he doesn't mean to be villainous. He's just like cosmically it's misunderstood. Just trampled on and by society. I can relate to that. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I wish that that wasn't that single beat that then that only lived in that scene and then immediately went into supervillain territory. Yeah. I wish if that was the point that they got him to and then kept him there, I think that would have been much more interesting and believable. Yes. Because, and I think it's hurt by, like I did think Fox did a really good job as the schlub nerd, mm. but I think if they had made him a more believable, like he could have very easily played all those beats in a more believable fashion if they didn't make him such a fucking comic book four-colour poindexter where he's got like a comb over and a gap tooth and glasses and bumblingly dropping stuff. And he's like, Gwen Stacy knows my name, oh my God, but I don't even know how to word speak. <laughs> like, and it's my birthday. Um, like that moment in Times Square, it's just a tiny little thing where everything goes wrong and he just goes like, but it's my birthday. Like that's fucking... Powerful shit. Oh yeah. If it's sa- if it's not sandwiched so quickly between the turns, like if his mm. whole thing is just like 
I'm having the worst fucking birthday anyone's ever had because I've turned into an electricity <laughs> death monster and now a sniper <laughs> shot my no brain. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a really interesting thing. But he's such such a caricature at the beginning uh, that it's hard to believe. Like, he's broadly unbelievable at the beginning. I think Jamie Foxx could have played a really good introverted, forgotten person without having to be such a jerk. Yep. And then... Like, I just didn't believe it when he's in the tank and he's being experimented on and suddenly he's just like, I'm Electro. I'm like, this is not a person who comes up with their badass supervillain name and then starts spouting catchphrases. No, no. Uh, and it's th- too much of a dramatic transformation. Yeah, and I think all the bits were there to make him this schlub who's fucked over and then gets corrupted by Harry Osborn. Yep. Without having to try and also make him like a badass supervillain. And I think that's a factor that approaches many things in the movie. Like Harry Osborn has really good development. The first scene between him and Peter when they reconnect is is amazing. Uh, And all of his story is really good, but it's just, it's too quick. Like he's he's not a character that should immediately hate Spider-Man and Peter Parker with every fibre of his being. There needs to be Mm. just a few more shades in between this and that. Yep. And I think that's the main... Thing that the movie shit me with was just like you're almost there but you just don't have time even at about seven mm. hours running time you don't have enough time <laughs> to do all this shit <laughs> They're trying to cram too much into it uh, the other thing that I thought was kind of funny which I didn't realise until it was brought up on a aforementioned phone call last night mm. is at the end when he's standing out you see him Oh, this is going to be a massive spoiler, actually. Yeah, seriously, you guys. Seriously, <laughs> like, you guys. Switch off now if you've never read a Spider-Man comic. So many spoil. Uh, and this is one of my pieces of praise, is that they did the Gwen Stacy dies storyline, mm. which I think is, like you said, or sort of alluded to earlier, some 50-odd minutes ago, yeah. <laughs> um, is one of the pivotal Spider-Man stories yeah. of, of all time, is that Gwen Stacy dies and... What is that? What effect does that have on Peter Parker? What effect does that have on Spider Man? And at the time, probably the f- the first time that a supporting character actually just straight up died That's in it. comics, dead as a doornail. It's not like today, where every time someone winks at a woman in the street, she gets stuffed in a refrigerator. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, so they tackle that, which amazing, yeah, spectacular, astounding, loved it, loved it. superior. Mm. Uh, but at the end when he's standing over a grave mm-hmm. and you see the seasons changing and he goes through four seasons, yeah. presumably representing, I don't know, stages of grief or some symbolic shit. Yep. Uh, and then so he quits Spider-Man because he's being Spider-Man because he's so riddled with grief. Yep. And then at one point uh, right at the end we get the introduction to the rhino, which is something I'm going to gripe more about in a moment. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, well, you know, look, time to put back on the suit and – that sort of thing. And then the newspaper clippings all say, Spider-Man, where is he? He's not been seen for five months. Yeah. And you go, hang on a minute. Four seasons <laughs> is 12 months. Yeah. Not five. <laughs> and I, had, I, I feel a little bit ashamed that I didn't even notice that. I think it was because by the time that scene had popped up, I was just in such a state of despair that I wasn't even fully conscious. Yep. But You yourself were going through four seasons of staring at a tombstone, which exactly. was your enjoyment for the film. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, yeah, Liesl mentioned that to me on the phone last night and I went, oh, my God, I have to talk about that on the show tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, because I think there's a bunch of little sloppy bits yeah. like that. And it's, <clears throat> just, it's, a, it's in a <clears throat> rush. <clears throat> One thing that 
That's uh, all I can say. Because <clears throat> the reason I rang uh, Nick when I walked out, because I was just like, just really conflicted about this film. And Nick's like me in terms, he's just like an opinionated, verbose yep. guy who uh, has many opinions. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Uh, I don't think he'd take that as an insult. No. I'm that guy. And I rang, I was like, I think he can, he's good at contextualizing stuff. And I was like, I just feel really weird about this film. There's something wrong with it. And so many of the individual scenes are great, but there's something just really cosmically upsetting about the yeah. whole thing. And the, one, the thing that he said, which I really, I, I immediately was like, yeah, I feel that, was he was saying the movie does the death of Gwen Stacy thing, but it, it really feels like the movie doesn't want to tell that story. It's a powerful yes. story. Yep. And it, it is. It's one of the, if they did it, Whole, if they went all in, like this is the this is the movie of the death of Gwen Stacy, then you could do that really well. But it felt like they felt obliged to tell that story, and you can feel the it movie pulling away from it at all other times. Yeah, um, everything's sort of happy go lucky and great right up until the second that she gets killed, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. One of the reasons it feels really sloppy at the end, like they're trying to portray his like five month grieving process. This is the love of his life. Everything's ruined. But then they try to get through that super quickly to still end on a happy-go-lucky Spider-Man saves the day moment. Yeah. And as soon as he said it, I was like, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I'm so mad at this film because it just it doesn't have the weight that it should because it just goes bam, 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 bam. And you can't just say it's been – it's like the end of How I Met Your Mother. You can't just say it's been five months. Yep. That makes sense intellectually. But emotionally, you're like, well, seriously? She died like – 20 minutes ago, man. This is why Empire Strikes Back is one of the greatest films of all time. Mm-hmm. Is because it doesn't try to do that. It ends on Han Solo thrown in carbonite and shipped off to Jabba the Hutt. Luke Skywalker's hand chopped off, finds out Vader's his father. Spoilers. Yeah. And that's it. They don't try to do, oh, and now we're going to just quick end on this high note before we head into the next film. They just go, right, that's the end. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see how it works out, come back in a couple of years and watch Return of the Jedi. Indeed. I've always admired that about Empire Strikes Back, and I think this could have benefited a little bit from that. I think if you'd ended this on a really bum note of love of his life is dead, and they did it a little bit in uh, The Dark Knight as well. At the end of it, he runs off. Yeah, everything's fucked. Oh, man, it's all all just gone into a steaming pile of... (laughs) What's Bat Poo called? Guana. Yeah. Um, Valuable stuff. But, uh, yeah, this, like you said, it comes back to, oh, well, no, we need to have – I was expecting him to be at the end of it standing up waving an American flag or something like that so that we could all rejoice that Spider-Man was back. And it yeah. just it felt a little too contrived. Because in the comics you have Captain Stacy die and then Gwen Stacy die, but it's bloody years and years and years apart. Yep. But in these films, it, like I was like, oh – just feels like the same beat like the first movie ends with the dad dying and it's like the overarching lesson is you need to be really careful about the people that you love because they're in danger yep and then this one is the same one so you really feel like oh man this guy just everyone he knows is dead everyone's dead <laughs> <laughs> and it feels a bit derivative to do it one after the other like yeah. I, given the way the uh, the rest of the movie was going i would have almost preferred them to not kill gwen stacy mm. or build the film more around that idea yep because and again, I have to attribute it to, to Nick because I'm a good person. Not really. I'm going to cut that t- bit out. <laughs> given, given the amount of times I've said stuff and you've gone, yeah, I told you that two days ago. They put a lot of effort into Gwen Stacy like grabbing him by the coattails and saying, I am making the decision to be here. 
This has nothing to do with you. Yeah. I am the master of my own destiny and it will ultimately get me killed. But you are not allowed to feel guilty because I'm my own woman. Yeah. It also feels like they're going, well, we need to kill Gwen Stacy, but let's rip out all of what actually that meant and try our hardest to just put it in the cupboard and go, no, it's her thing. She made the decision. Mm. Uh, you just need to get over it. And mm. I'm like, well, in that case, tell a different fucking story. That's fine. Uh, and yeah, I was just bummed out because those two were getting along really well and their chemistry was the best thing. And I'm like, oh, I'll probably miss that in the third one. Yeah. She's pretty tough too, which mm. was one of my praises for her in the first film and it uh, continues into this, is that she's tough and sp- she's not the damsel in distress. Yeah. And even I think even when she dies, she's not really the damsel in distress. So I, I like that component of it. I I agree with you that, yes, they sort of try to sweep a bit of the – responsibility under the carpet because she is her own woman um at the same time i admire the strength that they've imbued in her as well yeah and it's a character as well uh it's a bit disheartening that she is such a strong female character and subverts all that damsel in distress stuff and then gets killed because she's in love with spider-man yeah she's got to flick the switch and she really shouldn't be at this point because he sort of treats her like shit yeah he's a bit of a dick and it's really dangerous and she's going overseas so she should just be like it's been real. I'll catch up with you in a few years. Going to scientists. London, probably hang out with some chick called Jane Foster. I oh, know studios won't allow that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I thought there was... Because yeah, you have that ending with Gwen Stacy. That's sort of the end of the film. But then they have to chuck in this big long... All this work to try and build the Sinister Six. Mm. Which doesn't really build the Sinister Six. Like you get the rhino in the very end. And I really enjoyed... The idea of having the rhino just be the most stupid dude in the world. Yep. And he just rocks up at the beginning for 10 minutes and rocks up at the end for 10 minutes. It's a cool little bookend where he's just like, this is just a fucking loser in a suit. Don't worry about him. But you still end up with not all the members of the Sinister Six, which means Mm. you have to build the Sinister Six, which means don't don't ruin my film trying to build something and then not even build it. Yep. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It's probably what you were about to talk about, but... The, the trailer, which you have been so oh. super in love with, is the most misrepresentative trailer of a film. It is. There's actually, and this shits me when they do this with trailers, there's actually footage in the trailer that's not in the film. Really? And there's lines of dialogue in the trailer that are not in the film, which I don't necessarily notice all the time, but I have watched these trailers so many times and I've printed them out frame by frame and pasted <laughs> them all over the ceiling of my bedroom yeah. so that they're the last thing I see when I go to sleep and people night. do make those boards and there are yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some weird creepy people yeah uh, but yeah, there are actually bits of the trailer that are not in the movie, which annoys the crap out of me. And I'm sure they'll probably loop them in in some sort of Blu-ray extended edition mm. thing, which I'll no doubt go down like a schlub and shell out my hard-earned cash for. Indeed. It's probably the first movie I've seen where I've gone, oh, that big hero action scene from your trailer is the very last frame of the film. Yeah. Like, that's weird. Mm. And the rhino is positioned in the trailers as an equal menace as the others. And he is not. He's not no. really in it. He's there. He's, as a, yeah. And it's weird because I've been sort of... It basically should have had to be continued written on the rhino suit. Yeah. And I've wanted that for ages. I'm like, Spider-Man has so many villains. Just have a couple of scenes of him fighting a villain. Don't get into his bullshit backstory. You don't need to do that for everyone. Yeah. Like, you can have space to tell a really cool Harry Osborn story if the rhino is just a gangster with a suit that someone gave him and he just has a fight. So I really like the rhino thing. It was just, it would have been funner if I hadn't read the trailers and spent the whole time going like, how does the rhino fit into this? Yeah. Because he's not here yet. It, um, 
No, I've lost it. I've completely forgotten what I was about to say. Well, it's uh, the only other... Oh, I know. I've got it. Yep. Can I cut you off? Indeed. Because I just did. Bam. Uh, It's it's almost this reverse Avengers scenario where Mm. the Avengers was a whole bunch of movies that fed into an ensemble piece. Yep. And this doesn't have that benefit because you're going to do it with villains. So it's almost this sort of... We can't have a Rhino movie and a Vulture movie and a Doc Ock movie because it'll take too long. Yeah. And how do you centre a movie around villain when really the the hero is the the centrepiece? Yeah. So they've sort of tried to cram a bit of that setup type stuff in, and you know, like you said, it, it detracts a little bit from the focus and whatnot um, mm. because it. Oh, I can't even enunciate properly because <laughs> I'm just so distressed. I'm, I'm fascinated at what a Sinister Six movie looks like. I think I've already said, like, how do you make the film? Yep. Is Spider-Man in it? Are they villains? Blah, blah, blah. I think it's a smart move to basically, it seems to be the Sinister Six movie. You can almost now have, it's a Harry Osborn movie. Mm. And he's just recruiting miscellaneous losers to fill in. Like it's it's an interesting take on it. Like Doctor Octopus he's the is mastermind. not. Yeah, he will find Otto Octavius, who's just some random guy who's a criminal already, and give him the arms. For yeah. example, that's very different to the comics. But I'd be interested to see that. Yeah, and it allows you to do a film where you don't have to build six distinct characters out of nothing at the time. Like the mm. Rhino, we really don't need to know any more about the Rhino except he's just some psycho that they gave a suit to, and he's having a good time. Yeah. Um, and so he's just the he's the Hulk, he's the muscle extra guy. Yep. But yeah, I'm still really interested in how in God's name that works. Mm. We should talk very uh, quickly and by, yep. and I mean by level thirty standards. So this piece could take half an hour. Exactly. Um, after credit scenes, mm-hmm. what did you get? I didn't stay. Oh. <laughs> Wow. I stuck around for halfway through the credits and then I just became really conscious of that there was no one else in the cinema except another guy with like a weird depressing dustpan. So I just took <laughs> off. And I'd read that the after credit scene was like a an X-Men ad. Basically. So so there was a there's a scene from Days of Future Past is what I got. Yeah. And I, I stayed and sort of watched that. And there were a few people that hung around the cinema and I was like, these people, they're, they're my peeps. They know what's what. Uh, so we watched that, which is a scene in a military camp from from days of future past with mystique basically busting some ass and Sweet. toad and a couple of other people in that which was cool uh but from what i've read on the internets mm. there's an after credit and i stayed i watched that that was a mid-credit scene yep and then everybody left and then there was the sad dustpan man and me and he was just <laughs> looking at me and i was looking back at him just going dude I i'm it. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not leaving until the curtains close on the bloody screen. Yeah. Just in case. Blame Marvel. Don't blame me. And there was nothing. But I've read on the internet that supposedly there's this after credit scene where you see Norman Osborn's head in a jar. Really? And the guy, uh, who's the guy that goes in to see Harriet uh, Ravencroft? Um, uh, Dr. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you see the chambers that have got the octopus arms and the vulture wings and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then it pans across to the last one and Norman Osborn's head in there and, and he goes in and he says something like, oh, it's time to wake up, old friend, or something like that. And the eyes open on <laughs> Norman Osborn's head. And I don't know if that's not attached to the Australian release. Yeah. Because this only came out in the US uh, this week. Yeah. They got this this huge delay. So, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Bam, we're the uh, best. But, yeah, so we didn't get that, which... Which is I think puts a, a completely different spin on yeah what happens next if he's not really dead. I'm kind of because I was I was sitting in admiration of like I like that you've 
made the decision to just kill Norman Osborn off because you're telling a different story with the same themes as the comics. This is one of the scenes that was in the trailer that's not in uh, the movie Hmm. is Harry saying to Norman, what about Peter? And Norman says it doesn't end well for him. Oh, yeah. And it's not in the movie. And so through the whole movie, he's there, oh, Norman Osborne's dead. And I'm sitting there going, he's coming back though because there's this line between the two of them that I've seen in the trailer 9,642 times. Joke's on you, lol. And then, uh, yeah, nothing. Nothing for JT. Just a single manly tear (laughs) running down my cheek. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up because we've been recording for 700 years. We should. I think we might do this as a two-parter. Uh, look, I think like we, we should. Like we do Captain America. Yep. Uh, we'll try to do it in the most trolly way possible again. The Amazing Spider-Man Confliction Hour with Stefan and JT. <laughs> the only other thing I want to say, you can tell they're like throwing out as many different things as they can to build as many movies as they want because you have uh, Norman Osborn's assistant, Felicia. Yes, who I, who I assume yes. is like I maybe we could have that. the black cat later, and uh, the sort of shitty boss in Oscorp, who is uh, Alastair Smythe, who's the oh. inventor of the Spider Slayers. Yes, in the thing. I, I actually didn't notice that, but I did notice the Felicia thing, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that could be cool. It's one of those like could just be fan service, but could be like just throwing out as many seeds to see what to give themselves places to go in the future. But yeah, I didn't pick up that the boss was was Smythe. Yeah, nice. And I would like, because he was just like a dick, like a corporate dick, it would be interesting to see him as like a villain in a film. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. Maybe they'll be Sinister Six against Spider-Man, but also against Norman Osborn or something. Yeah. I was saying to... Aunt May comes back as the Hobgoblin. That's right. (laughs) Sally Field's looking prime for it. Yeah. She can grab a a battery-powered respirator. She'll become (laughs) cardiac. Um, (laughs) The one other thing I would say, like I like... It makes I love how you've always got seven one other things. I know, man. You're like a Steve Jobs keynote and I just one more thing. I don't plan ahead enough to go, 12 more things, I say. <laughs> the problem is that you said we should do this in two parts. I'm like, oh, I've got another five minutes. Awesome. Stream um, of consciousness, go. I, uh, it makes sense in sort of a script writing way to tie everything into Oscorp. Yes. Like, and I kind of like the idea, given that Spider-Man has such a, a wide variety of like animal-themed villains. Mm. This idea that pretty much the entire Spider-Man universe and cast of characters can come from one company that is experimenting on splicing animals into people. Yeah. I kind of like that idea. They're not really going that... Like I originally thought like, oh, that... Because like the rhino, for example, is someone that you could take down that path. Like they're Mm. half man, half rhino or whatever, but they haven't gone in that direction. He's a dude in a suit. So I sort of like all that, but at the same time, it feels a bit weird in terms of now everything exists in the same place and given that we're not in the marvel universe it makes sense because then you don't have the question of how come all these different random accidents are happening to people in new york yes but it's spider-man so who gives a fuck so i i like it but it just rings a bum note and the reason that i started thinking about it is because i really fucking hate the idea that they introduce in this that the spiders are specifically linked to peter parker's dna so that the suggestion is that him getting bit by the spider, he's the only one who could ever have become Spider-Man ever. Yeah, it's a bit uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, and that's a fine idea to have, but it doesn't sit with me alongside the fact that they've maintained the idea that he was just randomly in the wrong place at the wrong time and bitten by it this spider. It takes away some of the, mm. the uh, mystique of it, I think. Well, it's just too, too completely coincidental 
Like one of them is like grand, amazing destiny story and the Mm. other one is like random chance Mm. uh, guy makes right story. And now we have to have two of them. So it's like effectively have this grand destiny to be a superhero, but you also are completely dependent on the random chance of going into Oscorp on the wrong day at the wrong time and getting bitten by a spider. Yeah. Like I just feel like you can't have both at the same time and it gives me the shits. And I don't think it was necessary. It seemed to be there to suggest why the Green Goblin, when he injects himself with the spider venom, becomes a goblin, which again, fucking what's that all about? Why doesn't he become like a weird arachnid, a man spider? But <laughs> they seem to be saying like, yeah, when Peter Parker gets it, he gets bitten and he becomes Spider-Man, whereas anyone else just becomes like a weird freak sometimes. Uh, and for a start, it still seems like a win. The suggestion is that Harry Osborn is no longer dying. He's just occasionally looks a bit like a goblin. And I'm mm. like, well, I'd pay that. It just means that three days a week you've got to stay inside. That's okay, but you live to it forever. Yeah. Um, but he f- does all right out of it. Right? He does he, fine, man. He looks at I me. Mean, it looks a little bit like that kid that was in our cooking class at school who turned the gas on and then went and got the uh, the lighter, but left the gas on and came back and lit the stove yeah. and <laughs> blew his own face up. But that's, uh, that's a concern. That's about it. The film. That's about it. His hairstyle dramatically improves. I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I feel like that idea is sound anyway. You could have Peter Parker. I always like the idea being that he gets bitten by the spider. There was one spider that worked and it is now dead. And that's it. That's all there is. Yep. And he happened to get bit by it. No one knew. No one will ever know. You can't reproduce it. Blah, blah, blah. Harry Osborn injects himself with venom from a different spider. You, like I can easily just infer from that that either it's the wrong spider or it's venom rather than a bite. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. You know, mm. it, you don't need to add this extra weird destiny Harry Potter bullshit to say like <laughs> Peter Parker needed, he was the was the man for the job. Yeah, it just bummed me out. Did it make you want to just grab a manhole cover and smash someone in the face with it? It did. Uh, I did, of course, leave the cinema still going like thrip, 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 and I will do so for days. Do you need to get that? I'll call back in a minute. I'll just finish this thought. Okay. It's only 11.20. That's just mum saying she'll be here in 40 minutes. Cool. This is incredible radio. Um, We may choose to edit that part out. Yeah. 